Did you know the Lord made seven separate covenants with four unconditional promises to the nation of Israel in the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12? These seven covenants became the bedrock for both ancient and modern Israel, as well as the chosen nation for Jesus' ministry and the place he will return to and reign for a thousand years. Join us now as we examine the covenant promises to the Hebrew nation that were written well over 3,400 years ago and evaluate if these eternal pledges have been kept by God and does this help prepare the way for the return of Jesus the Messiah. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Good afternoon everyone. Delighted to have you here as we embark upon the second coming of Jesus in Israel. This is part of a a series that we're doing, what's uh, called the Certainty of the Second Coming. In this particular uh, section and the section to follow, we're going to concentrate on the historical roots of Israel and how that pertains to the second coming of of the Messiah. Um, In addition to the to the, to the warmth, I'm going to say, of this topic. I'm going to welcome everyone to the warmth of spring. This is the second day of spring, and the sun is out. The birds are chirping. The squirrels are in my backyard driving my dog crazy, uh, but delighted nonetheless. I sit here in the northeast United States, so there's still a little bit of a chill in the air, but I think everyone across the United States, and I'm sure other countries, if you're listening, that you're glad to be putting winter in the rearview mirror. Uh, so let's let's begin, uh, or, or let's dig into, you know, what we're doing and why. So I, I'm sure everybody knows this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus was and is Jewish. So because of that, and because of his love and his affection, his affinity, um, for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel, for the love that God has for the Jewish people, I want to concentrate uh, our, our efforts here in examining what is some of the historical roots of the nation and and some of the things that we can see today that bear uh, fruition to what was written about by the prophets thousands of years earlier. Um, so in this particular section, we're going to be looking at um, uh, the what's called the Abrahamic Covenant. We're going to be looking at what God had to say with the birth of Israel and some of the promises he made. And can we look at that today and, and see that? And the reason I want to do that, too, is that Jesus himself, he proclaimed that he was the or is the Messiah when he uh, um, uh, recited the, the, the book of Isaiah, which is been documented in the Gospel of Luke, and he said, on this day, this is fulfilled, meaning the Messiah has come, uh, for those who have ears to hear that were part of his audience of that day. So he was fulfilling what the ancient Hebrew prophets wrote about uh, thousands of years earlier, and, 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 and seeing some of these things come to pass. So this is why I wanted to, to look at the, the history, and so much of the history, obviously, in the Old Testament is about the nation of Israel, but, uh, you know, that bears out certainly globally as well. So I, I hope that you're excited because I am. I've subtitled this where the future meets the past, and this is based upon Zechariah 14.4, 
where it says, and on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half of the mountain moving south. So you're going to have a great split in the earth on the Mount of Olives when Jesus comes back and makes himself present in the nation of Israel and the whole world will see it. Um, Then I'm going to jump forward to Acts chapter 1 where he was taken up and the ascension of the Mount of Olives where he ascended up into heaven and, and, and a cloud had hid uh, Jesus from the sight of his disciples and his apostles there. And it says in verse 10, And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood be- beside them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So there's a promise that was delivered that Jesus will be coming back and he will be coming back uh, right there on the Mount of Olives and the whole world will see. So uh, as I said, we're going to dig into uh, the history uh, of Israel. And if, if you like subjects like this or you enjoy things, please hit the like or subscribe button. Ultimately, we're about getting to the truth, getting to the heart of the matter, uh, because really I believe that's what everybody wants. So not only will we look at things historically uh, as as far as what the Bible has to say, but we'll look at other areas in, in archaeology and, and, and uh, traditions that may have been passed down by civilization, sciences, um, geology, various uh, areas. Whatever can bring us eyewitness accounts, whatever can bring us to the light of truth is what I'm in search of. Of, of here. So again, if, if, if this is something that, that registers with you, it helps us get the algorithms out uh, across the web where we can reach people who are in search of the truth, because that's ultimately what it is. So if you could hit the like or subscribe button, it would be very, very much appreciated. Also, if you could log on to the website, we'd love to have your email there. If you could register us, register with us so that we can keep you informed about these and other topics that will be coming up. So as I said, we're going to uh, begin with the Abrahamic covenant. And I'm going to read uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Those are some pretty staggering promises that that he offers there. So let's unpack that a little bit. There are four unconditional promises that are laid out here. First, he says, bless Abraham. So for thousands of years, Abraham is revered by the three most popular faiths in the world or religions uh, in the world today. Jews, Christians, and Muslims recognize Abraham and recognize the role that Abraham played in the foundations or the early stages of the earth and humanity. Um, It says he will bring out a great nation from Abraham. 
Today, there are 6 million Jews roughly in Israel, uh, roughly 5 million in the United States, and a significant population throughout the rest of the world. So he's, he's made the impact of the Jewish people throughout the world. Um, Abraham will be a blessing to many. Consider that because of Abraham and, and the nation of Israel, we have the Bible. We have the Ten Commandments. And I'm just going to say it. This is the basis. This is the foundation for jurisprudence throughout the world. This is, uh, you know, how we know what we register, whether we're doing right or wrong. Honor thy father, honor thy mother, thy parents. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not lie. Um, and, And then, you know, we have the Jewish people gave us Jesus. He gave us the Messiah, gave us the Son of God, went to the cross for all humanity, not only the Jewish people, but the Gentiles as well. So, so many things came from the nation of Israel, came from the promise that God gave to Abraham. And he says, then I will bless those who bless her and curse those who curse her. I personally, having living lived in the United States, uh, I believe that we are a nation that part of our prosperity and our blessings come from us being closely aligned with the nation of Israel. And we'll see in the next section where we talk a little bit about, you know, the, the history or the role that the United States got to play uh, in, in the United Nations in 1948. Um, but here in the United States, Jewish people can retain religious freedom as well as all other religions in, in America. Uh, we have economic, we have educational and social opportunities. And again, I'm not just talking about Jewish people, Christian people, atheists uh, have those same opportunities, agnostics, Muslims, Hindus, uh, sex, it, 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 it does not matter. Um, so these four unconditional promises that, that were laid out in the very beginning, we can see today if we look around us that these things have come to pass. So seven times in these verses, God declares in no uncertain terms what he will do for Abraham. And and there are seven, and for those, you know, who might not know, seven is the perfect number. It is the number by which uh, most people will look at as perfection. It's the number uh, that God created, it's the number of days that God used to create the world. Uh, it's the number. It's the you know the number that we use to uh, mark our week in in our calendars. Um, so anyway, these seven covenants are listed here. If you're looking at it on video, but for those on the podcast, it is an unconditional covenant. It is a personal covenant, a national covenant, territorial, reciprocal, universal, and eternal. So we're going to look and unpack these these seven covenants. And the first is an unconditional covenant that was ratified in a ceremony in Genesis 15. So I want to read for you Genesis 15, um, starting at verse 7. If you're looking at this in uh, on, on video, you see the yellow highlight. And this is the Lord speaking to Abram. He says, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat, goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he bought him all these, cut them in half, and laid them each over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Uh, Jumping to the green highlight in 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land 
that is not theirs, and there will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Sound familiar? Uh, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with a great possession. So we know, you know obviously, and, and this can be bared out historically, that the, the Jewish people were, were slaves in the land of Egypt for 400 years. Um, and, and then on verse 17, in, in the blue highlight, when the sun had gone down and was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offering I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the U- river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, uh, the Kadamites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Repham, Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Gershites, and the Jebusites. So consider that in Abram's day, the covenant will be established when two people walk between pieces of sacrificial animals, meaning what happened to these animals that were sacrificed will happen to that person if one of those two people breaks the covenant. So this was the tradition of this day. And here God was was working with that tradition of that day. And, but because this was a sovereign agreement be, that God was making with Abram, Abram didn't have to do anything. So what happened was supernaturally the Lord came down. And, and uh, you, you see afterwards that the symbols of God, which is the smoking oven and the burning torch, pass between these pieces. So God made the covenant. Abram did not have to go. Uh, And the Lord made the covenant with no conditions, independent of Abram. He would fulfill this in his time. So, uh, and, and also notice that no provision was made for the covenant to be revoked or amended or annulled. This is a, an eternal covenant. This is for all time. So we're going to talk about personal and national covenants. And, and, and again, what's amazing here is, and and you see this on the video on the left, the Lord said to Abram, I will, uh, seven times. It says uh, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who, who, who treat you with contempt. I will, you or you will be blessed. Uh, I, I will be blessed through you. So you, you see this personal uh, attachment in the covenant that God made with Abram. And it is a national covenant. So look no further than what we see. So if you're looking at this on video, you see the map. And But just picture, you, you know, you know that how tiny the nation is of Israel compared to the surrounding countries around the Middle East, Egypt to the south, uh, uh, Jordan to the west, Syria to the north, Lebanon, um, Iraq, Saudi Arabia. You see all these countries um, uh, su- surrounding this tiny, tiny nation, which roughly the size of New Jersey. Um, so consider that they have withstood Arab wars, onslaughts, boycotts, terrorism, Holocaust. Uh, they've turned itself from a poor rural country into an industrial powerhouse. Uh, they have reduced the social, educational, and health gaps between Arabs and Jews. Uh, you know, so... Arabs should have, I'm not, I'm not going to say that they all do, but they strive to give everyone the same opportunities. And I can say this because I, I, I was there and I saw, you know, and, and I'm just going to say it, that, that, you know, I believe personally that the Arabs and the Jews can live together in peace if it was not for 
you know, the people in power. In other words, let's say the 10% in power are, are dictating the, the politics and the direction of a lot of people directing a lot of the anti-Semitism. I think most people, you know, it's common sense. We, everybody wants to live in peace. Um, they also lead the Middle East in productivity, wealth, order, freedom, military power. You know, think about their, these surrounding countries, but yet this tiny, tiny country is a powerhouse in that part of the world today. It is a juggernaut, and I know that this is because of the blessing of God that, that he has poured out on this nation. Next, I want to look at the territorial government, uh, covenant uh, with the geographical boundaries. If you're seeing this on video, you can see the map, but I also point out in, in the, in the uh, black lettering what the uh, boundaries were um, for the nation of Israel. And it's, it's recited or recorded in Ezekiel 48. It says, All the land from the Mediterranean Sea as the western boundary to the Euphrates as the eastern boundary. The prophet Ezekiel fixed the northern boundary at Hamath, which is 100 miles north of Damascus. The southern boundary is Kadesh, which is 100 miles south of Jerusalem. So if so what I'm saying here is the territory by which the Lord has given Israel is so much larger it's probably you know more than a hundred times larger than what it has today uh, so this you know would consist of not only modern day Israel if you were to look at it but you would consider Lebanon the West Bank of Jordan uh, substantial portions of Syria Iraq Saudi Arabia you know, that's that's how big the territory is that, that God gave them. And one day they will have it. And when Jesus comes to return in, 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 in the, the second coming and, and we usher in the millennium, that, that portion of Israel that was promised will be had. Um, Genesis 15, 18 through 21, it says, And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, and he said, To your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the, the, the land of the Canaanites. I, I read this before, I apologize. But, I mean, you get, you get the idea. So th- this is what the Lord has promised them, and this is what we see today. It is a reciprocal covenant. Um, so I'm going to read Zechariah 2.8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says, After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Uh, so consider, uh, you know, w- what happens to the people who tried to go against Israel. And, and I have a bunch of them noted here. Um, probably, you know, the most famous is, is Egypt and the 10 plagues that, that were that were. Uh, ushered in to them. Um, the, is, the Amorites, when they resisted Israel's march to the promised land, they were soundly defeated in Numbers 21 through 30. Uh, the Midianites, the Babylon, uh, destroyed Jerusalem and deported the Jews, were soundly defeated by the Persians <clears throat> 70 years later. Um, the Greek Seleucid, which is the ruler of Antiochus IV, was one of history's worst prosecutors of the Jews. He died a horrible death after his army was defeated by the Jewish Maccabean Rebellion. Uh, Russia confined Jews to ghettos, harassed them under the czars, who were overthrown by the communists in 1917. Under communism, Jews were forbidden to practice their religious totes. Many were arrested, deported, or executed. We know that the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. Consider Hitler's Germany. <clears throat> 
brutally torturing and executing more than 6 million Jews. Um, and, and he was later crushed uh, right at the tail end of World War II. Um, <clears throat> but I would say that this extended way beyond uh, Germany. This was in other parts of Europe, and you have as many as 11 million Jews suffered in the Holocaust. Uh, consider the, the 1967 Six-Day War, uh, where, where the, uh, they, what was called the UAR aligned with Egypt, Jordan, and Palestine. So all of the surrounding areas, Egypt, I'm sorry, Israel was completely surrounded by all of her neighbors uh, from the north, the south, and the east, and they came at them simultaneously. They had the 500,000 men to Israel's 75,000. Uh, they had 5,000 tanks to Israel's 1,000. They had 900 aircraft compared to Israel's 175 planes. Yet six days later, the entire air force was destroyed with 20,000 men. Israel gained control over the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem. So clearly, you know, the Lord made himself known. And, and we can all, I mean, I, I don't remember specifically about, I remember vaguely, you know, about when that happened, but reading about it years later um, and, you know, knowing about the peace treaties that, that were generated with Egypt, with Amor Sadat afterwards. Uh, so the, here we have a modern day example of an, an undeniable miracle that the Lord provided for the nation of Israel. This is the reciprocal covenant. I'm going to read something that was uh, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu recited at the UN General Assembly on October 1st, 2015. So this was six years ago. Uh, For in every generation, there are those who rose up to destroy our people. In antiquity, we faced destruction from the ancient empires of Babylon and Rome. In the Middle Ages, we faced inquisition and expulsion. And in modern times, we faced uh, pogroms and the Holocaust. Yet the Jewish people persevered. And now another regime has risen, swearing to destroy Israel. That regime, meaning Iran, would be wise to consider this. I stand here today representing Israel, a country 67 years young, but the nation state of the people of nearly 4,000 years. Yet the empires of Babylon and Rome are not presented in in this hall of nations. Neither is the thousand-year Reich. Those seemingly invincible empires are long gone, but Israel lives. The people of Israel live. So he's, he's you know, letting the world know, and, and Iran in particular, that you are not going to remove Israel. You are not going to destroy the uh, Jewish people, even though that's their promise, that's their threats today. But here he defiantly tells them, and, and he's right. I mean, history bears out exactly what he wrote, so you can't deny that. It is a universal covenant. And all you, in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what he said. So through Abraham's descendants, we are now the repository of God's glory, his love, his wisdom, and his redemptive grace. Without the possible exceptions of Luke and Acts, every book of the Bible was authored by a Jewish writer. So we have the Bible to and the Jewish people to thank, as well as the Lord. Through Abraham, God gave his son Jesus to the entire world, blessing all of humanity with the means of escaping sin and death, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the, the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. 
So one universal promise results in one universal covenant. And finally, the eternal covenant. It has three stages. Uh, it is initiated in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It is formalized, and we read that in uh, 15, 1 through 21, and it is amplified in chapter 17 through chapter 18. And I'm going to read for you uh, 17, 7 through 8. I will establish my covenant as an, ever, as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. The promise of Abraham is an everlasting promise because it is an unconditional covenant that is based on the grace and the sovereignty of Almighty God. There may be delays, there may be postponements and, chastise, and chastisements, but an eternal covenant cannot be abrogated by a God who cannot deny himself. like to thank you for joining us. Uh, it really means a lot. I appreciate your time. This, is, this has been great. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, if this registers with you, if this means something to you, please share it with your friends. Hit the like or subscribe button. It really helps us get the message out. We don't want anything. It's just trying to get the truth out uh, concerning the second coming, that Jesus is coming back. And in this section and uh, the ones to follow, we're going to be looking more closely at the nation of Israel, the role that Israel has to play uh, in the coming events and what we'll be seeing uh, maybe sooner than you think. So again, my name is Mark Russick. I'd like to thank you for joining the Russick Outlook. Uh, as always, just my opinion. Take care.